my name is Foggy Jack, and I'm the Shock Bazaar Mental Mentalist, and the host of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Now, let's head on down to the Pumpkin Patch for more. themselves, which have come to the ground through what they call electronic action, 
and uh, are coming now out right from the ground itself. <coughs> Was that, that the answer to the question so I could get in this other question? No, you ahead. Now you ask the question. All right. Well, now, I, you spoke of a 70-mile area. Is that a band around the moon? Where the, moon is the band where the moon is, you see. Yeah. There's a question of 70 miles which is livable. Right. Which that's between the yeah. dark side and the light yeah. side. Uh, now, that 70-mile band stays where it is all the time. Yeah, that's, that goes around. Well, is it your understanding, then, that one side of the moon is constantly lighted and the other side is constantly dark? Well, I won't say it's dark. It's twilight. But, in other words, the sun only shines on one side of the moon. Because it's facing the, it's facing the sun all the time. Only when there's an eclipse or there's a normal that the sun shines only at that time on the dark side. Well, let, let me get a definite answer to this question. It is your statement and understanding that the yeah. sun shines only on one side of the moon. Yeah, but only once. The two days when there's a new moon, the sun is on the opposite side of the moon. Well, the, what we call a new moon. Now, let's take a situation in yeah. which the sun, or which the moon, is on the other side of the earth from the sun. The sun is then shining on the part we see. Is that correct? Yeah. Now, what, where is the sun shining when the moon is between the sun and the earth? Well, what, what part of the moon does the sun hit when the moon is between the sun and the earth? The moon is between the sun. It hits on the light side of the moon. Oh, we I are see. hit by the dark side. In other words, the light, the side that we see yeah. then faces the sun. Yeah. Then the moon rotates with respect to us. Yeah. Well, this is contrary... The moon rotates around the moon, around the earth... In a uh, wheel form. Well, is the same face of the moon always towards us? Yeah. Oh, as I told you, when we, when we have the new moon. Well, I'm not... For two days, the, two, the 24 hour time, the moon changes. Wait, in other words, it the swings sun, around. The sun just causes, and that's the only time we have the dark side of... The, the light side of the moon is dark. And that variation is so small, it cannot heat up the moon, of course. Uh, and that also helped... Uh, this helps the cold side. That's the only time it happens. Well, in other words, in those two days, the side Well, it's 24 hours, really. Well, in that 24 hours, the side of the moon that we normally see is facing away from us yeah. during that period. Yeah. Well, then the geography on both sides of the moon must be identical. Is that your understanding? No. Well, because astronomers have seen many times during that period the other face of the moon by its reflected earth shine. They see it by the reflected light of the Earth, and it appears identical to what we normally see. Oh, that's what they think. Oh, this, you mean they're suffering hallucination? Not hallucination, they think they see the whole thing. Well, now, the, here this astronomer, Professor X, yeah. is looking through his nice, big, shiny, new, expensive telescope at the moon. Yeah. During this 24-hour yeah. period, he sees what he thinks to be the same face of the moon. Is he then hallucinating? Well... At times, maybe the moon don't, don't spin all around. Maybe, the, 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 as I say, I'm going to tell you something I don't know. In other words, I'm when a, anybody's I'm watching, it doesn't law. I'm applying a physical law that exists. Not what man sees. If I somebody see. tells you about flying saucers, and three people say, you say you got hallucinations. That's a flying saucer. It's a spaceship, too. The man can be wrong, too. Well, but I'm going by physical laws. I'm not going by horoscope and telescope. I understood you just to say that apparently sometimes when the people were watching, the moon didn't spin. Was that what you said? The time that the moon... I was up there astrologically. 
Well, not astrally, but astrologically. Now, astrologically means a, to astral projection. Oh, that's, that is what astrologically means? When you say astrologically can be uh, by astrology, but I mean astral projection. This is what you mean and not yeah. necessarily anybody How else. How did I know that the people on the moon, did the professor tell you it was people on the moon? Well, no, he didn't tell me oh, that. All right, then who's more important, his statements or mine? Well, I suspect... Who are more accurate, his statements or mine? Well, I would suspect, seeing as you're on this program, that your statements Not because I'm on the program. Oh. Did any ever tell you that Mercury was a, was a satellite and call it a planet? No, I didn't it's get... It's all through the books, it's a planet, a planet that moves on its own axis. Yet, I know because to my knowledge, I came through the fourth dimension, they told me it was a, a, it was a satellite. Who told you? This was the fourth dimension. When I go to the fourth dimension, talk to the fourth dimension, people in the fourth dimension. Well, the people in the fourth dimension. They're not people you. like you and I. They're just claim the people who are in the fourth dimension. But there are people in the fourth people dimension. People who claim the souls, the, what they call of the dead, the so-called spirit, call the spirit, call what you want. Well, the spirits told you that yeah. Mercury was a satellite. It doesn't move on its axis. We have, foot, we have basic scientific fact that Mikey doesn't move on its axis. You mean that it's the like scientists like, told you this and like, not spirit? Just like the, just like you would say the uh, the moon. They call it a planet. They've been teaching people planet. Still, it's not a planet. Pluto doesn't move around its axis. They know Gosh playing well. In fact, proved out there that doesn't move on its axis. Therefore, that's also satellite. Who it's knows? Who knows this? Scientists or the spirits? Let's your look at your astronomical records. Well, I've looked at those records, and I find that uh, the planet Mercury, or Mercury if you want to call it a satellite, does move on its axis. And this movement on the axis is such that uh, it always faces the same side toward the sun. But in going around the sun, if it didn't move on its axis, it would uh, face all of its sides eventually toward the sun. As it is, yeah. in rotating on its axis, which it has to do in order to always present the same side toward the sun, it is moving on its axis. But it's almost similar to the moon as the, on the earth, on a similar pattern. One side of Mercury is cold, one side is hot. Yes. So therefore, it's not a it's not a planet, it's a satellite. This is the How thing about that the sunspots? How about the sunspots? Years ago, they called them kind of sunspots. What are they? They're solar moons. Every 11 years, the solar moons pass by the sun, causing sunspots. To the new infrared ray cameras they had have been investigating in the big telescope, there's an entirely different process that they were. Uh, meteors falling to the sun, how they know that they're moons. Well, which, uh, in this case, you seem to be quoting to us the authority of scientists, whereas just before you were saying the scientists weren't right about things. Do you Who's the authority on science? Before, Mr. With everyday things changing place and going around, who claims he's an authority? Because you can't prove it. They've got something that you can't prove. They're considered a fact. Well, what are you now? Material things, yes. What are you now saying, that you believe scientists or that you don't believe them? I believe scientists, but they themselves can be disillusioned. Don't forget, a scientific, a scientific man can be disillusioned too. And they grant delusion in a state of mind. Oh, how it do you know? It so because eventually every scientific thing can be disapproved. Because another man will come up and prove that he's wrong. How do you know when this scientist is disapproved, uh, is whatever he is? How do you know when he's not right? When somebody has come along and proves he's wrong. Like the spirits, for example. Some people claim there's no thought, there's no spirit, yet people are hoping for so 
salvation from the heavens. Why are they praying to the heavens for? Well, the point. But they're hoping, but they still turn around and tell the same man, no, there's no spirit, there's no nobody up there. Still the same man will turn around and pray to the heavens, then he's calling for help. Well, now, he's um, denying himself. No, in other words, the you will believe in the scientists as long as you are not informed otherwise that they're wrong. Is that correct? I believe a scientist in material form when he suffers goes through the material things. But when he tries to go too far yeah. beyond the realm of divinity, then he's nuts. Now, when they... he tries to trust people, I hear on earth that he's important. I see. You think that the function of if this... These, if these things were so important, what happened to our scientists with our country and Sputnik? They've been giving us a line, and I want everybody to know that. They still don't know nothing. I never get there. And this is a statement made on this station by the mystic barber and prophet. Do you think, then, that the scientists are concerned with self-aggrandizement rather than the pursuit of science? It's the average statement. You get an individual, he becomes important. As soon as he becomes important, he's an authority. Do you think maybe the situation isn't reversed? Huh? Do you think maybe he doesn't become an no, authority it's, it's first and then become important? No, it's the way we're living today. I can show you commentators on, on radio. After they become important, they have no hand that ever tied the hair on and good for your hair. Yeah, well, that's... Uh, I'm not mentioning names now. Then I can well, show you all the religious... Not religious organization, like I'll mention my own, the Knights of Pritchett where I belong. One of Father's organizations. Yes. Now, I don't know if you're a brother Pritchett or not. Oh, uh, no, now, I don't have to Now, one day a group came in there crying to us. They won't take us in because we're too old. I, being the pilot in the order, says, all right, give my boys a break, take them in. Year two passed by, they became organized. Well, I'm interested in your no, comments on I'm going to give you what goes on. About a year after this group is well established, well, another group comes over. Mr. Andy, Mr. Snatcher, please, you took those papers in, we're too old. The same group that was crying, that pleaded uh, the committee, opposed the situation, because they're already important. What was the outcome? I threw them out. Now, you see, that's what happens. A man becomes important in science. Uh -huh. He gets a lot of write-up. Even does know nothing. He becomes important. And people look at him as an example. Uh -huh. What is behind the example? Look at your newspapers today. Have all these big people who are important. Uh -huh. They're the trash of the earth. The trash of society. I Isn't see. that rather strong language? Seems it is a strong and true. Read your papers today. But this is apparently what... The mystic barber believes, so we I can't deny these opinions. I go by what the papers. Get a, 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 a woman to her something. She does something wrong. She's prosecuted because she's a poor girl or something. The church and everything is partnered by the well, religious groups are after her. Mr. Barber, she's done this something wrong. Mr. Look, Mystic Barber, this is not exactly germane to the discussion. No, this is. Then you get another we girl. She's no. memorized by a rich man. She's got an apartment. He's taking care of her. What do they do? Isn't she just as guilty as the other girl? They well, make this, a movie This may well be, her. but the thing that I'm trying to establish is that this is not exactly germane to the discussion of astral projection. Well, we're talking on certain facts, the true and false facts, how people see things. Well, yes, this That's is... That's why uh, we're headed for hell. It ain't going to be long. Now, just a moment. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I realize you came a little excited, yeah. Mystic Barber. This happens, and while you're so excited, believe me, I'm very excited, too, to talk about one of my sponsors, Andy Sinatra. Mr. Sinatra practices his profession in Brooklyn, New York, a tonsorial artist, and he also is a gentleman who claims that he can project himself 
astrally. And that's why we call him, or rather why he calls himself, the Mystic Barber. Now, during the time that we were listening to the commercial for Valentine's Ale and No-Dos, and I might also add that No-Dos comes in the blue box with the bright red letters, N-O-D-O-Z, 15 tablets for 35 cents, and they're available in your drugstore. During the time we were listening to those two or three commercials, I was talking with Mrs. Sinatra for a moment. That's the Mystic Barber's charming wife. And the Mystic Barber made some comment that he would like to tell us about their trip to the moon. And when he said their trip to the moon, am I wrong? No. What did you say, uh, Mystic Barber? My extra projection... You want me to give you a story? I know. I'd like to Not hear it from Mrs. Sinatra. No. Well, I'll explain to you for Then she'll commit the fact that's okay. true. I, I have no doubt about that. But I said that my last, I, last broadcast. May I just interrupt yes. you for a moment, please? Yes. I would appreciate it very much if you correct me if I'm wrong. But as far as the details, I would like to hear them from Mrs. Sinatra. Did you say, I mean, was I wrong when I said... That you'd made the statement that the both of you had gone to the moon? Yeah, that was a misunderstanding. Fine, I'm no, sorry. I apologize. Yeah. Would you correct me, please? Yeah. What did you say then about this? I Mrs. said that, that she was witness at the time that I projected myself to her. Oh. Which I mentioned in the last broadcast, I, I repeated when I was off hunting in Beacon. That's and right. And the moon was right, and I told my friends, look, I'm going to project myself to my wife. I says, and when we go over there, we see what she says. Now, I projected myself from Beacon to her while she was sleeping. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll make uh, it brief. Yeah. You you tell, as brief as possible, yeah. because Mrs. Sinatra is, is kind enough to join us for just a couple of minutes, and I don't want her to, bo I don't want her to be bored because she's heard this story and she's experienced this. And if you'll be as brief as possible to tell us about this phenomenon, then we'll have Mrs. Sin uh, Sinatra comment. Would you please, uh, Mr. Byron? I'm just going to say this story, then let her uh, tell her story. And I appeared to her in a room where we sleep. She saw me. She was scared of me. She said, what are you doing here? And she, she started trying to push me away. And I appeared in my physical form. I physical myself. Well, I, I physical think we should form. establish this, though. At that time... You were in Beacon, New York. Isn't yeah. that right? You were not in Brooklyn. Yeah, but I materialized myself. Now, it's, sometimes when I want to do this, I can't. But at times, I materialize myself several times without knowing that I could do it. This was done on the impulse. Now, you were on a hunting trip with yeah. some other gentlemen. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you decided to project yourself astrally. This was not teleportation. No, this was when we went to bed. We, we had a, something to eat. I says, the moon is right. When you went to bed in Beacon, New York. Yeah. Yes. That's our aunt's place where up there. She's got an aunt. visiting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I says, we're going, we're going to, I want to see if I transmit myself to my life. We were talking. I went off. The fellows watched me. They says, I was talking to somebody. I was talking to myself. Then I told them, when we came back, we came over the house and we brought wrappings and stuff. She says, you know, she says, have you tried any experiment? I says, yes. Yeah. She did you see me come? She says, yeah. She'll tell you herself because she was in front of me. Did, the, did and the, I tried to push you away. And it was the time of the hour that I transmitted myself. Uh, the gentlemen who were on this hunting trip with you, 
Did they see the silver cord when you projected yourself from the physical they body? They can't see that. Oh, they can't see no. that. That's just they like saw it. the physical body. They saw me laying there, and I was talking to myself and talking to somebody. Fine. That's all they know. Thank you. I need my wife to give you. She's an honest girl. She'll tear me up when I'm wrong. She tries to tell me, try to be as close to the truth as possible. She's at the witness. I don't think that she's going to be as close <coughs> to the truth as possible. I know that she's going to be very truthful yeah. about everything. She doesn't answer. have to be close. She will be accurate. Is that right? Yeah. Thank you. Mr. Sinatra, do you want to move up just a little closer and sort of lean down in here and just relax? This thing in front of you means nothing at all. It looks rather frightening. Actually, it is nothing more than a concealed camera, but we've run out of film, so we will not be making any more pictures with this. But you sort of face this because this gives you the proper direction so that you and I can, you know, sort of look at each other while we're talking. Uh... Your husband, the mystic barber, related a story to us, and you've just heard this. He was up in Beacon, New York, on a hunting trip with some friends, evidently in your aunt's home. And uh, during the time that he was up there, he was able to project the astral body to the bedroom that is used by you and the mystic barber when he's at home, when he isn't out on a hunting trip. Could you tell us something about that, please? In other words, how did he appear to you uh, that night in your bedroom? Well, uh, this was a dream. This was in a dream form. Mm -hmm. And I saw him, and I was pushing him away to tell him to go away from me. Uh, in other words, you were dreaming that night, yes. Mrs. Sinatra? Yes, I was well, Then this did not happen? Uh, no, I didn't see this. This was in a dream form that he, he appeared to me in dream form. I, I don't quite follow yet. According to, to the mystic barber, he has told us that when he was in Beacon, New York, he was lying in bed at the end of a, a rough day of, a, of hunting, and he was tired and he was relaxing, and then he projected his body astrally to your bedroom. And he tells us that you pushed him away. In other words, you were frightened, and logically so. I can understand a person who knows that their their mate is someplace else and all of a sudden appears in the bedroom. This is rather frightening. Did you actually push him away? I said before. Well, you were physically. I didn't actually see nothing. This is a dream. A dream on the part of the yes. mystic barber or yes. a dream on your part? A dream on my part. You were lying in bed it. sleeping. Yes. And you had a dream yes. that you saw your husband. Was that it? Yes. And, and what, what occurred in the dream? That he appeared naked to me and I was pushing him away. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this is quite proper. Sometimes possibly See? he just returned from a shower or something yes. and hadn't had the time to put on a garment or anything. Well, yes. do you, uh, have you at other times... Uh, in your dreams, seen your husband or talked to him, or you must have, have in dreams, talked to people. Well, you see, um, uh, uh, sometimes he uh, he talks to people, and he uh, and he says, "When I go home, my wife is going to tell me about this incident." Mm -hmm. And sure enough, when he comes home, he happened to be away up in uh, in Sharon Springs. He was working out there, and when he came home. Uh, I told him that he, if he was talking to some person, and I described this girl to a teak, 
and uh, and uh, he says that's right. Well, back to this one particular uh, on this particular line. What I'm trying to establish is that in ordinary, normal dreaming, uh, you must have held conversations with friends and spoken to people and seen them in just ordinary dreams, haven't you? Well, you have had a considerable number of other dreams aside from this particular time when your husband appeared to you. Well, the, this only happened about twice. But I mean, in, in the course of your lifetime, you have dreamed. Yes, sometimes, yes, I do dream. And you have spoken to acquaintances or, or friends, and you have seen them. You've seen houses and cars and things in your dreams. In normal, ordinary, every-night dreams. Yes. Well, then, and I assume also that on this line that at... Uh, other, on other occasions, you have probably dreamed about your husband. You've seen him, spoken to him, so forth. Is that right? Yes. Well, then why would it be that in this particular case, when he arrived home from Beacon, you said, what have you been up to? I mean, what, what because, was different about this dream? Uh, because it frightened me. It frightened it you? It frightened just, me. Just, you know, nothing you can explain? It just you no, it just frightened me because he had never appeared that way to me before. Uh -huh. Well, Mrs. Sinatra, was this more realistic than it had ever been before? It was more realistic. And that was the difference that caused yes. you to be frightened. Mm -hmm. uh, did you uh, feel that you were asleep and dreaming at the time that you saw him, or did this seem to you as if you were awake? Uh, no, I was asleep when this... Uh I was asleep. You were obviously asleep, and there was yes. no question of you, something wakened you from your sleep and you saw him in your bedroom. This was a dream, definitely. Well, this was a dream, definitely, yes. And was that, uh, was that about the only time that that's happened? Where he has astrally projected himself to you? Uh, that's about the only time. All the times I have uh, very bad dreams and uh, about him, and uh, it seems in a short time later they actually happen. Reality. One thing that fascinates me is apparently you uh, are aware of conversations that your husband has with other people at a distance. Well, uh, that particular time. But uh, I think there were mentions of other occasions when you're, you knew that your husband was speaking with some girl. Uh, wasn't that mentioned before? On another occasion aside from this hunting trip? No. Oh, well, excuse me. Yes. Tell him the story on Pitkin Avenue. When I was homesick with the fever, and you were picking them, and your cousin told. Now you guys have something that it's another process. I yes, I was walking on. I was walking on the avenue, and uh, some friend of mine told me. He says, "You know, Jean, I saw your husband." I said, "So how could you see my husband? My husband was sick in bed." And uh, and uh, I went home. I did some shopping. And I went home. Here, my husband was was in bed. And I asked him if he could, if he walked out of the house. He says, no, I've been in bed all the while. He says, isn't it funny that some people told me that they saw you out on the avenue? And uh, then I asked my sister who happened to come in to see him. And uh, she says, well, he's been here all the while and uh, came to pay him a visit.
And yet people on the outside told me that they saw him. Mm. But uh, well, I was following up what I thought would be a great wifely advantage if you knew somehow whom your husband was talking to and he couldn't play around with a little blonde upstate or something. Cause his wife uh, I could describe this girl to a tika. Hair, the, the complexion. Well, this the was height. a case where you did know of someone who I was... I didn't know who the girl was. But you knew he was speaking to some uh, some woman. And that you more or less... You're not time. I'll interrupt. I told this girl I'm going to send an impulse. It was a full moon to my wife. And uh, just as you are. Now, this was not astral projection. It was a mental impulse. Mm-hmm. I says, when I go home, I'm going to see if she can describe it. We took the date and the hour. I knew at the time the vibration was right. And she described the girl to a T because I sent her the impulse. In other words, this is something you consciously do. She doesn't, your wife can't just... Well, we are mentally contacted through the process of mental telepathy at times both of ourselves, and we buy the same thing at the same time, or do the same things at the same time, feel the same thing, and maybe think of the same thing by mental unconscious impulses. But astral projection, I have several experiences with astral projection. Now, there's three kinds. One, where you materialize yourself and they see you. Two, which you are visible at times when the cosmic ray passes through and your body becomes visible. Then there's a third type, which happened on this week on this, on this program here, which I'm going to explain when Long John comes in here, where people vibrate the same way you do, and I think the same way you think. I done an ash projection while I was sick, and it happened right in this place here. I'm waiting till Long John come in, and I'm going to tell you. I've got the recordings of it. How the other person felt, and he mentioned my name, and he knew it was, it was for no good reason at all, and why he was talking that way. There's various type of astral projections, you see what I mean? Where you radiate yourself. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I want to explain well, what Now, how, how did you uh, radiate now, yourself? I, the radiation took place. What, what was 1492 was here? No, there wasn't 1492. 1452. Oh, 52, that was 206, was here? No, there was no 206. There is 203. 203, that's what in Spanish means. Yeah, in Spanish it means well, that, two, yes, but three. he dropped the O because O is zero, and no. zero means nothing. So At he the time it I was homesick, I, the time he was talking, I was homesick, and these impulses, I started thinking over here. So what happened? Well, I'm concentrating. I probably sent my astral body unconscious here, and it was in the same tone with 203. So when with 203 or 1452? No, with 203. Now, what happened? Wait, man, I, I, I'm sorry. I know that the listeners are going to object, but I am I'm so fascinated at this point. Did you project yourself astrally here the night that 1452 and 23... We're here. I was concentrating on trying to project myself. Did here. you arrive here? I don't know whether I arrived, but anyhow, okay. sometimes there's a physical contact with two people in harmonious vibration. What did he say? He was a boat going to Mexico, from the South Coast to Mexico. He was playing the bunga bungas, and Sinatra was there playing the bunga bungas, and the Sinatra and giving haircuts on the boat. Why did he have to mention these things? I got recordings of it out of the clear sky. I don't know the man from Adams. So consequently, my best experience must have been that I actually unconscious when I'm sick, I'm telling these things happen. You want to hear right on your own radio. I mentioned that. I got the recordings on. Now why should he mention Andy Snart was me and both going from to the South Coast? <coughs> 
Well, sometimes protection... Well, Mr. As far as I could heard that night, Mr. 1452 was mentally disturbed. Not 1452. Yes, he was a little concerned. Uh, but, uh, in other words, uh, well, were you employed as a barber on this boat? No, I never was on a boat. But sometimes, you see, sometimes predictions and events of time are told you in advance. I'm going to, in order to analyze 1452 him, he might be predicting things, but in his crude way, in his disturbed mind, he you doesn't feel, you understand. Feel that, you feel that 1452 is crude. Well, I didn't say it's crude. No, I thought you did say so. I don't understand he's synonymous. And sometimes a person gets confused between the psychic impulses and the mental impulses. You think 1452 I'll give you an idea. While I was in the veteran hospital working, I had to let a guy, give a guy a haircut and shave. One of the veterans, the doctor said, Andy's going to finish up. So I took care of the man, and he's all hopped up. And he says to me, he looks at me, he says, Andy, be careful of two women. Out of the clear sky. Now, he gave me an event that it, after two years, if I didn't remember what he told me, I would have got myself in an awful swindle because he told me. And recently, I predicted an earthquake in California. I didn't say how big. Here's my friends here. According to my calculations, at most, I've been 80% right in my earthquakes. But according to record, my secretary here. Yeah, the little kid camped in there, what, 12 years old, he says, Andy, there's only going to be a little one there. You know, one of the kids is over there. They were talking. It happened a little, but it happened in the, it happened in the, so you see, sometimes events are predicted to you unconsciously. Now, let us get the analyzed 1452, uh, and it's 1452. The man is talking about, uh, uh, let's say, cotton candy, right? Mm. Now, we know that we had angels' hair falling through the sky. Now, it isn't possible this angel hair that call might have been somebody throwing cotton candy around and give people impulses as uh, uh, hair from, from outer space? Do you think someone was throwing cotton yeah. candy down through yeah. the sky? Now, he mentions cotton candy. Then he mentions uh, uh, plastic soup. Now, you can take any soup, and you add enough gelatin to it and dry it, it'll look like a bar of plastic. Well, I, plant, I, and you can put it in soup or well, soup. See, no, soup. soup. Oh, like in other words, a solution, uh, he had a bag of soup with him. He was rattling this bag when he was being interviewed. Oh. And uh, I said to him, uh, uh, actually, I, I, I guess you're not too familiar with this, uh, uh, Charles. Uh, when I was out oh. in Carteret, and I'll try to be as brief as possible because some people resent the rehash, but I think we'll have to at this point. We were out in Carteret, New Jersey. I think Bill Preston was there, and uh, uh, I forget, somebody else was there that particular morning. It wasn't Haley. And uh, a young man called up, and he said he was a musician, and he, he spoke in the, in the jargon of the, the, of the musicians, you know, man, this, man, that, cool, and so and so on. And he said he was a tenor sax man, and he plays an electronic horn that's in tune with Venus. So I said, we'll drop out. So after the coffee break, he arrived, and the very first comment he made as he came into the studio, he said, man, this is a small place, you know, and he just, uh -huh. he came from blowing a gig, and uh, I didn't understand some of the jargon. We got talking a moment. He's a very interesting uh, young man, and uh, he told us a number of things, and uh, he didn't want to give us his name. So he said, you can use my union number. And I said, what's the number? And he said, 1452. And I said to him, well, how should I address you? 
And he said, just call me by my first name. And he said, well, unfortunately, I don't know your first name. He says, it's 14. Well, naturally, John. So I, well, I, I wasn't familiar with it. So then he was kind enough to come back at a later date, and he brought with him another musician, who a Cuban, who spoke Spanish, and I, and some people, I, I do not understand the, uh, the language, unfortunately, but evidently the number was 203, yet he called... The, the musician 23 and I found out later the reason that he called him 23 is because zero is nothing and why bother saying nothing when you don't need it nothing so you drop the zero out of 203 and you wind up with 23 and this is quite the, an intelligent approach to the problem yeah. I think so uh, we can call the station WR from now on that's right yeah, <laughs> yeah very good John. so the, the next the next thing that uh, that uh, comes up, uh, oh, he's very fond of cotton candy. He always has a pocket full of it. And he's I, the one that was dropping the cotton candy. That's right. Oh. So he has a theme song, Keep Your Cotton Picking Fingers Out of My Cotton Candy, which he was kind enough to play a chorus of it for us. Yes, that was. And uh, in turn, uh, he, had, he was rattling a paper bag. And I knew it would be disturbing to our listeners, and I suggested that he put the bag to one side, and he said, he said, man, I, I, I want my soup, and I, I just didn't make sense to me. And I found out in a few minutes later that he had soup in the bag, but it was plastic soup, you know, alphabet soup, with uh, plastic letters and plastic soup. And he yeah. told us that on the planet Venus, uh -huh. that... Everything, all their food is plastic. They got plastic tuna fish, and I said, well, I can't understand why you'd want plastic tuna. Well, he said, when you eat plastic all the time, you get tired of uh, of the styron plastic and the uh -huh. and the foam plastic, so you have tuna flavored plastic and uh -huh. things of that nature. So when they were on, it seems that the Cuban, the bongo drum player, was born on a boat, and his parents were musicians. And they were going back and forth between one place and another, and they never got off the boat, so the boy, he was 17 years of age before he got to Cuba. Well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and during this period of time, this, I think it was 20 to 23 or 52, told us that he met the mystic barber, Andy Sinatra, uh -huh. and that Sinatra was cutting hair on the boat. I was playing a bong bong soup. Yeah, you're playing a bongo drum and, and cutting hair. <laughs> Eating plastic soup, I take it. What flavor was what flavor was this plastic soup? We I never found out. I never told no, you. No, I think it was minestrone, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't he the man that said there was a cat in the satellite? Uh, yes, yes. It's wrapped in saran. Yeah, the kitty was wrapped in saran. Uh, you know something? Yes. Did you hear about the Russians going to shoot the cows around the earth? No. Well, that's, that's the greatest gag in the world. You know, on the next satellite, they're going to have two cows. And it's going to be the herd shot around the world. I was not my line. I got it. I got it. I was not my line. the situation. All right. No, but I, I would like... Let me yeah. just ask you this question. Is it possible, uh, uh, Mystic Barber, I don't know, but is it possible that maybe your astral body was... Doing the, the, the barbering work well, on the boat? I told you, when I'm sick, funny things happen. It ain't the first time. I was with fever during that time. I was home. In fact, I'm out of a sick bed for two weeks. 
Friends, I want to analyze the situation. Now, sometimes things are predicted to you in advance. Now, friends, remember that time I called, I tried to get you on the phone, it was Monday or Tuesday? Yes. Well, all of a sudden, you're going to grab the phone and the pen of waterfall, the, the picture of waterfall. Yes, it now, did. Now, what was that? That was telling you, in advance, event was telling you that you're going to be in flooded. So what happened? Six or seven days after, you was flooded over here. That's an unconscious event of prediction. You right. was flooded down here. There was floods. The building was flooded. Oh, you mean when the yeah. water main broke out? Yeah, when you dropped that switch unconsciously, and mm -hmm. as it happened at the time, I was trying to get you on the phone. When you dropped that picture. And when I do things, events happen. Now, regarding these things here, they mention my name. His number's 203. Right? Yes. Then he comes and says, Andy Snapple, we're playing a bomb, bomb is going from the south coast to Mexico. Now, he's 203, is maybe 203 days from now, I may be taking a trip to Mexico. Yes. So I'm trying to see if this calculation is right. Maybe I'm wrong. Now, then we get, for instance, uh, 1452. He's talking about uh, cotton candy. Now, we know we have angels here. And the, the claim was thrown from outer space. People picked it up. Now, is it possible it was cotton candy? You know, that is something. I've uh -huh. never stopped oh, to consider oh, that. No. It's, 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 it's an interesting uh, thought. Let me take just a moment. We're talking about cotton candy and angel hair. I like to talk about food for a moment. Well, the other thing I had on before, it seemed to confuse my way of thinking. The vibration are not harmonious to surrounding, and this can be due sometimes to lunar attraction because that's a copper metal. And the copper metal carries a different frequency than the aluminum does. It sets off different vibrations which are absorbed by the body, and uh, one who's psychic is sensitive to these things. So that's why I tried the other band before. I find it hard for me to think or concentrate. So there's only one method. I put on this other band, I relaxed, and I find out I could think much clearer and much better. Of course, you heard me at the beginning of the program. I talked a little offbeat, couldn't, wasn't clear enough. The proof was there. Then I switched bands again with the, uh, with the one that I had this, this morning on, and I found out the same thing did affect It was not a question of imagination, of course. It's a question of actual feeling and results of the power of thinking. Then I went back to my third eye band, I find out it's more harmonious. Uh, well, you had uh, the other band that you had on before. I give and understand this repels messages from... Uh, various places, Venus perhaps included, or just repels all messages. The first band I had was to repel mental impulses from people on this earth. Oh, but sometimes it? people have power to transmit their thought waves into other people, being we're very sensitive. It may cause me and upset me in certain conditions. Uh -huh. But I found out that. Instead of what, what I've done to this thing, I might have done something different, made it more powerful, it's repulsing my own power of thinking. If I have to make a change, there's certain things that are still only known to me. It was an experiment. Uh, I, I'm sorry to interrupt a yeah. moment, uh, Mystic Barber. You say that these things are known only to you. Yeah. Uh, I was led to believe that uh, during the time that you have projected the astral body, 
yeah. in the into the fourth dimension that you receive this information. So isn't it true that other people other than yourself are familiar with it, at least no. people in the fourth dimension? Those in the fourth dimension are not people. I see. What are they? We are only people when we're material flesh. What what are the, the, the intelligences are what they that... They're what call a different frequency. They're not people. They're what they call souls or spirit, in plain words, what we are going to be when we die. Now, come on, Frank, with them. It's a spiritual world. I see. That's very interesting. Yes. Therefore, they uh, have no bodies. Mm -hmm. It's a different vibration, and as these things weren't revealed to me. Now, tonight I've done a powerful experiment. You see, in back of this thing, I have something over here. I want to see. Well, would you want, describe it? Would you well, describe it? Well, these are secrets that I only give them to us. Who's to us? To those who are sent here and given the authority by the fourth dimension to reveal certain things. Well, before you give us that secret, and I don't want it to divulge to anybody, I'd like to talk a moment about uh, one of our sponsors. And I now, right in the center of that, I see something that I believe you called a sunstone. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Now, what does this enable you to do? Well, I'll explain to you. I think I explained at the beginning of the, uh, the program. Well, I, I didn't it, understand it. It doesn't it, make me do nothing. The sunstone merely is there to absorb the vibrations. And prevent too many vibrational impulses entering the brain. And you know, people who are psychic sometimes are oversensitive. I'll have to bring you back to stories of when I was a child in Italy. My grandmother had a friend who always wore a hat and hairpins in her hair. So my grandmother used to tell her, why do you wear the hairpins? She says, when I take these hairpins out, I have terrific headaches. Now what was it? That the, the metal of the hairpins absorbed certain amount of radiation from her body or that she received that she didn't give her the headache. Now, people that years ago have worn armlets, headbands, and various things to relieve them of various ailments. But these people who had these ailments were people who were psychic or sensitive to certain things. Now, a psychic don't have to be psychic in the mind. You can have a sensitive shoulder against weather. You can have a sensitive elbow. You can feel sound sometimes. Now, by wearing these particular bands or metals of various kinds will prevent that sensitivity. Now, I was born with Mercury, and according to astrology, and Uranus undermined, which makes me hypersensitive to certain uh, outside impulses and local impulses. Therefore, I know these things from past experience. And out there, that the sensation is in the feeling. So I went back to the old story of what my grandmother, my grandfather did years ago by applying the ancient... Uh, so-called uh, uh, armbands, and I applied various different bands at time on my head to see what the result was. Not through imagination, but through actual power of taking and concentration. I see I come here with no literature or nothing at all, written out. Yet I can answer questions as they hand it to me. I don't have to go back to memories. But if it wasn't for these bands that I had, I'd probably be confused. I wouldn't be able to think straight. Otherwise, this it prevents too much power or acts like a condenser from going to your brain or eliminating the brain and interfering with certain vibrations which uh, vibrate on the bones of your body and leave impulses on your brain. I see. Well, now, people sometimes are hypersensitive to this. As I work in a mental institute and I learn, 
when they may have atrophy of the bone, the bones become hard, they hear through their bones. Vibration from us may strike their bones in that frequency, and they hear voices and they hear different things. Although I never heard voices and different things, I'm applying a preventative, which I know sometimes can be created and the ailment can be developed. I see. Well, this third eye, then, doesn't enable you to see more. What it does is to help screen out the vibrations. No. The only time we see was our own eye. But people can see through their skin and through the, they call it the pituitary gland. That was first an eye, according to science, when we had a hole in the head, like a hole in the moon. But as generation came by, we lost that. We really had two eyes, please. We got pituitary and pineal gland. The pineal gland was the eye in back of the head, so we could see behind when we were back in more in the animal stages, and the pituitary gland was the eye looking front. Then we had four eyes? No, we had two eyes. But as man developed in different forms, his eyes began to develop in front. Now we know if we take a case where the light is not used in the caves and not, there's fish without eyes. Yet those fish live and go about their business. In caves, these things have been found. Now, if we were to live in darkness, we wouldn't need the eyes. We'd follow by sensation. <coughs> Certain blind people are known to perceive things and by the vibration of their skin. They become sensitive. That's a type of a sight. So we're developing of nature. This is this band is to prevent high vibration. Not to the eye is merely that it holds certain vibrations just like the brain holds thoughts and only releases them to you when you want them. Oh, and that is a trap there. There's a magnetic trap there. This is a magnet right there, see? Yeah. If you take a... I'll show it to you. <coughs> watch this thing move when I go near it. See, watch. See? Watch the needle. The needle. Where's the needle? Under here. See, that, that's a... Oh, that's the now needle. Now watch. Watch it when I put uh -huh. it. Watch. See it? Yeah. Now, the mm -hmm. needle moves. That's because it's a magnetic trap. Not that I'm revealing any secrets. No. It's a common thing. Everything is voiced on a magnetic field. What is this device that you have just shown me here, this thing in the plastic case? That is to receive the impulses. This I use with the, in connection with the pendulum. That's to be used with yeah. the pendulum? Put the pendulum on there, see? And the pendulum will give me an answer, yes or no, according to the, to the pendulum. Now, do you have a pendulum with you today? There's a pendulum right there. Oh, the I'm pendulum. not here prepared to do this thing now because we're on the program. Or is it that the vibrations are not right? No, that vibrations, this is always right with me. Remember the article I told you about the Jurette, uh, about me on a little sporting condition? I've yes. done that with the pendulum. With the pendulum? Yeah, and I got to write up about it. And, uh, and was a certain thing. You read, what? I can't mention what you read. That was done and predicted with the pendulum. I predict a lot of things with the pendulum. Now, how do you predict something with a pendulum? Doesn't all the pendulum do is swing back and forth? Well, someday when we get together, we put, we get some plates. Put sugar in one plate, salt in another plate. Yeah. And another plate with paper that's blank. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you which is a tree, salt, and sugar, which is, which is blank. And what is this other device you have here? This, uh, uh... Well, this is, that's, that's what they call a high-frequency mic. A high frequency when I talk to here, it changes the frequency, a very high frequency, so that the vibrations, not only the words, but the vibrations reach the fourth dimension. The vibrations. See, this will, if you were to tune this mic on here, wouldn't, nothing would come through. 
You won't but that lets you talk into the fourth dimension? Yeah. It, was, it was made accordingly, structurally according to the fourth dimension, the way I got things It's very simple. And how do you hear back from them? I hear back to them when they come to here, the vibrations come to here, and then it's transmitted to this thing here, and I get sensations to here, and I'm getting a message. Then I get a vision. Oh, that's the device that works also, with the yeah. pendulum. It also works yeah. with your headband. Yeah. Now, if you put a glass of water on here, yeah, it's certain sounds you can't hear. Now, this works through vibration, not radio. Mm-hmm. You understand? Now, there's certain I... sounds. You take a tuning fork, and you know if you're buying it, you'll hear sounds. Some tuning forks you don't hear, right? Yes. Now, if you take a glass of water mm-hmm. and bang a tuning fork, you drink that water, you hear the tuning fork. Right? Because the water picks up the vibration and it's carried through your tree through bone conduction you hear it in your ears. Well, if I can't hear the tuning fork <coughs> in the air, I can't hear it in the water. Oh, yes, you can. Anytime you wish to try, write the <coughs> Psychic Society in England and they'll explain these things. In fact, this was done television demonstrating. Well, the English Psychic Society. Does anybody here demonstrate it? Well, here I haven't seen nobody. Uh-huh. If I get the tuning fork sometimes, I'll let you and I'll show you. The water will pick up frequencies that your ear can't pick up or you can't hear. When you drink that water through a store and it contacts the bone section of your mouth, that comes bone conduction where your own ear don't hear, the bone will hear. Well, if you put a glass of water on this receiving device yeah. that well, you have... If <coughs> vibrations come in and you and I don't hear, you'll hear through regular, regular radio tubing. Now, if you put the glass of water on there, and later on, later on you drink the water, do you hear, you no, get the message then? you don't then? drink the water. You put a, a rod in there. Yeah. A carbon rod with a mic, or the other mic, like we got here. Yes. And then these vibrations that you can hear, not, not radio waves, but vibrations. Mm-hmm. You can hear them after bypassing through an amplifier. We've done that today on my house, my, my secretary. Now, what sort of uh, messages do you get? You get different sounds, different vibrations. Some of them are fast, some are slow. They have to record it through a recorder. If they're fast, you pass them through a recorder and slow them down. Well, what sort of it's, message is it? Well, what it is, it's message. Yeah, what, what's the content of it? What sort of a message is it? What words is it? What is the Must actual I tell meaning you what of words it is? Well, I'd like to know what Whatever what they are, that's the secret between me and the space people. You understand? Yeah. And it's not to be revealed to know. <coughs> this is about being done as an experiment. Now, there was a listener last night that called in and that wanted us to ask you a question. Please, excuse me. These things I've demonstrated. You come over the house, I'll make you hear the vibration. It's not somebody else transmitting anything. But, but they're just vibrations. You would, would be willing to share your secret with me, then? What's no secret? If I had a secret, would I tell it on television? I would talk to it on radio? Well, you just told me that. I'll show you. In fact, if some people want to make these things and want to try them, the more people know about these, the more people be in tone with the fourth dimension, it'll be a more peaceful world. Well, you told me that the messages that you get from the fourth dimension are secret between yeah. you and them. Yeah, for, for a period of time. I understand the vibrations, what they mean. If I went over to your house and I heard these... You'll hear vibrations at different time, high pitches, low pitches. Wouldn't I be able to understand? No, it? you wouldn't understand. Why? Because you had to go to a certain train. You've never been on a fourth dimension, have you? No, I Did don't think so. you understand space language? Uh, I no. don't think so. So we talk space language. Well, here's one of the things that I wanted to ask you, yeah. Mystic Barber. 
One of the listeners called in last night and wanted this question put to you. I believe you've been in touch with the people that are in the flying saucers, haven't you? Yes. You? Don't you understand uh, the Venusian? I understand the fourth. There's no such a thing as a Venusian language. No. Well, the no. language I have is from the fourth dimension. You haven't you haven't so spoken you're... that as yet, have you? Uh-huh. Did you speak that this morning? Did you give us the message? Wait, I don't remember what you're saying. No, sorry, perfectly all right. I just got a telepathic communication. The answer was no. Uh, I was just wondering if you would be kind enough, uh, yeah. uh, Mystic Barber, would you just sit over there with uh, a member of your staff and sort of relax for a couple of minutes? Yeah. And we'll have you back here again in possibly another ten minutes. Thank you very much. This is WOR Radio, your station in New York, and this is Long John with the Party Line. I mentioned to our listeners that we possibly may have Paulina Peavy, uh, a lady who goes into a trance, and during the time that she's in the trance, she receives inspirations to paint. Now, I possibly have not praised this right, but this is about all I know at the moment. I can say this to you, though, that Pauline Peavy is an artist, inventor, designer, sculptor, poet, writer, and lecturer, and she was born in Colorado City. She lived most of her adult life on the West Coast, and she has received degrees in art and education from leading colleges and schools, as well as honors and awards in art and architecture. Possibly some of you people have seen uh, her work at the various art galleries. Now, Miss Peavy is sitting to my right, to her left, opposite me, is Dave Bell, to my left, opposite Miss Peavy, is Charles Leadham. Miss Peavy has a very, very unusual mask on. To describe the mask, I would say that it looks like a base color of chartreuse with gray stripes sort of charcoal gray stripes running through it diagonally. There are many fancy trimmings around it. It's a very large mask that covers at least three quarters of her face. There are pearls on both sides of the mask and a number of pieces of metal. I would say it's a very, very attractive and a very beautiful work of art as far as masks are concerned. And she tells us that it's important that she wears this mask during the time that she's in the trance state. Now, Miss Peavy has not gone into the trance as yet. I wonder if you'll assist her, Dave, so that she can get up a little closer to lean on the table in front of the microphone. We'd like to talk to her for a moment first. Miss Peavy, when did you first realize that you could go into a trance? Uh, at least 25 years ago, I heard uh, 
voices, very strange voices coming through me. Coming through coming, you? Yes. Startled me uh, a very great deal, although I had been uh, investigating uh, the mystery of my paintings, uh, which started coming 25 years ago. Just a moment, uh, Miss mm -hmm. Peavy evidently just came out of a trans state. I can assure you, being very honest with the with the listeners, I had absolutely no knowledge that she would be in the trans state that soon. And in fact, I was just starting to interview her, and all of a sudden she sort of went back in her chair, and we heard this different voice. How do you feel when you're in a trance, Pauline? Well, I feel uh, very exhilarated. And uh, now, as you will see, this is not the voice of Paulina, for we have not released her entirely. Although we have prepared her, that when we come through, we are using her exactly as you use your microphone. We are beings existing in a world of too high frequency for your comprehension. And we need to lower our frequency by this manner that our thought will be audible to you. We use Paulina, who uses us, Together, we have painted many thousands of paintings in her several hundred, probably near a thousand, for the purpose of introducing ourselves to you in the way that we desire to be introduced. For you have many ideas regarding us, that are your ideas, and they are not our reality. And as we come to you in many ways, and you call us flying saucers, spacemen, Venusians, and other of your names, 
We need to introduce ourselves in our language, and our language is not a babel tongue, for we communicate with each other in our world by sending or radiographing, as you would say, pictures. I think the pause is for questions. You just went into another trance, is that right, Pauline? Yeah, that's right. Uh, did we hear the? Uh, did we hear two of your mentors? Uh, the beings that I um, entertain are universal beings who do not render individual personalities as you do in your world. We are universal beings. We do not place upon ourselves labels, as do you, to call ourselves John Doe forever, for we, now hold your hats, for we have found perpetuity of life, and it would be very droll if we called ourselves Paulina P.V. for the rest from now on. Therefore, we come and many times when you hear a one voice, you hear a multitude of us. For we are in a world whereby we have thought simultaneously with uncountable legions of us. We do not give Paulina personal names for us. She has a name which is her name when she speaks to us. We do not use your names in our world. I guess that's a pause for questions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like to ask a question. Are the people in this world like we are? We are your elders. We, ages ago, were like you, as you. We have progressed by many ends of time beyond your station, and now we exist as a perfected, uh, you would say, uh, seed. When you see us, and we are able to reduce our high-frequency waves to come into your sight in your skies, and you see us as flying saucers, we are showing you our planetary form. For we are a single cell with one eye, the original eye. Out of that single cell we mutate into creature form as you take your birth. Then the explanation of the flying saucers is an attempt of these people to enter into our world? We have never departed you and your world. And the world is not as you think you see it with your two outer eyes. You might say uh, the world is an atomic nature of matter. We do not see skies like you see skies. We see into the eye of the atom, even the eye of the atom that you smash. 
And you know that when you smash an atom, you see volumes of infinity emerging from that microscopic eye. We indwell ourselves, our eye. We are interspatial beings coming out, emerging, or slowing up our molecular rate that you might perceive us. I think in all fairness, <clears throat> Dave, would you take uh, Paulina back over the side there? She looks like she's physically exhausted at this moment. You might give her a glass of water there, I think, for the moment we should all permit right, her right. to rest. Don't you agree, Charles? Yes, Charles, it looks like it. This is WOR Radio, your station in New York. This is Long John with the party line. We're around from midnight to 5.36 mornings during the week. Designer, sculptor. Miss Peavy went into two or three trances. We heard her mentors talking, telling us about some of the things that uh, have happened in other dimensions. Miss Peavy appears to be physically exhausted from the strain of going into the trances. I've had uh, a small amount of experience in this before. We had Mark Probert, the trans medium, on the program one morning. And I know that we had to go off the air for a period of about 10 or 12 minutes to permit Mr. Probert to recuperate. And uh, we may, I can't say, we will have to talk to her after a little while. We may have her back on the air this morning. We're talking this morning with Charles Leadham, TV producer and author, Dave Bell, and Andy Sinatra, the mystic barber. We have also talked this morning to two gentlemen from uh, a hypnotic group. They claim that they're able to project their bodies astrally, and uh, we certainly have uh, a number of things that we possibly will learn from uh, the Mystic Barber. Well, Mystic Barber, uh, you don't have your headband on anymore? No, I'll tell you why. You see, there's certain... I got a book explaining the certain cycles, certain hours of the time. Is there a book that's published on the on the band, Doctor? That's published and put up and is a rare edition, only explaining when the forces mm -hmm. of things are against you. Is that's this book available to the general public? No. But I can give you a copy of the hours and the days when I'm I'd love to have the opportunity of seeing the book. I'll give you a time Thank and you. the hours, John, when this this band should be used. It's known the ancient mystical hours of the time. The certain hours of the time of the day when you have certain forces around you that are acting around you. And you you require a force of energy, physical body, or to protect yourself. Now, the 3 o'clock was the time today, and 3 o'clock is now over. Therefore, the forces are along around you. You're on your own. In other words, you have not, no interference now whatsoever according to the science of metaphysics and occult. That's why I don't need the band now no more. Well, I that... sense the reaction, I sense it clear enough, and these forces, you've got to understand them just like a, a person has an ache. It gets stronger, stronger, then the weather changes, and it's improving, and he sees that ache, he's going away, and he's clear, he knows it's clear weather. 
Well, this is a similar thing, only it's a mental statement, which you respond later by experience, that these depressions of pressure is coming stronger. And you protect yourself through this pressure cleanser. And that happens every day to a psychic, only certain hours of the day, and after that is over, he's, uh, he's okay. Now, I would like to get back to your projection of the astral body. Didn't you project yourself astrally to the planet Venus? No. I never said I did. I never said I will. I never was. Don't further than the moon. I claim the day's going to come when I have more expectations. I will try to project myself outside of the Earth atmosphere. And when you reach the moon cycle, it's still our Earth. It belongs to the cycle of the Earth. It's very dangerous <laughs> because when you project yourself, you've got to follow a certain beam. And there's magnetic disturbance on each side of the beam, just like when you uh, have a, uh, the, if you go in front of a television and take an ordinary magnet, you'll notice the picture will move. If you put the magnet in front of your television, we're a bunch of electrons. Now, some uh, magnetic disturbance from one planet or other, other satellites can draw you off that particular beam. You go entirely to a different direction. You have no control. Because you can't control it with the mind. Or either you got to snap back. And that snapping back will cause a shock that you can die or be maimed in the rest of your life. Some people, through the astral projection, have snapped back so fast that their spine is snapped and broke. Others become maimed, blind, or become insane because of the sudden snapping back of the astral body. Well, it That's seems why to me, it seems to me <laughs> that this would be a very dangerous thing. It to is do. dangerous if those who don't everything is dangerous. You can walk across the street and you ain't careful to get hit with a car. That's dangerous too. Well, that's very true. Even walking is dangerous. You don't watch yourself. The idea is that before you can claim astral projection, it takes years of experience and years of research. It takes a man at least twenty-five years before he can claim he's a perfect astral projection. It takes another twenty-five years before he can. Uh, become a natural projection and materialize myself like various people of the biblical facts have done. Well, did I hear correctly that yeah. you can convert your body into ions? We, when we're in astral projection, we are the same thing as electronic waves. What are electronic waves? They well, ions. I don't know. Television is ions. We are the same similar of a different frequency. That's why frequency we have... W-O-R, K-D-K-A, yet these frequencies are linked together and they don't interfere with each other because of a different vibration. Mm -hmm. They pass through different filters. When we take them, they pass through the condenser and they are filtered out like we would filter different foods from with a filter. Well, and they filtered by electricity. And, the, and these ionized are left behind. Ions, what we call electrons or ions or electrons, we can give any name we want. That's different names other scientists give them. These ions are filtered out, and we get the juice, and the uses the music, and whatever it is these things carry, these little... Charlie Leder. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just, uh, as I understand it, uh, Mystic Barber, you have floated around in this electronic waveform shape. Is that true? I haven't floated around, and I'll try to not let the public know the truth. You was almost misrepresenting. I'm in bed, home, minding my own business. It's the astral body which is floating around. Well, let's, uh, I think we've and, got... And the people got to misunderstand like they did last time. I said there was a hole in the moon. When I was trying to mention that the tunnels oh. that were bigger than all of them. This is obviously That's... a mistake if anyone thought there was a hole <laughs> well, in the moon. People think here to get a misunderstanding of it. Well, like there were a bunch no, of crackpots here. So people with intelligent minds and uh, were trying to help the people and trying to enlighten them to facts that are around. They, 
By talking this way, one way or the other, you're an intelligent man. I don't claim I'm so intelligent, but at least we're talking sense. But if you go around by mistake, making a mistake which really is an honest mistake, it gives them a wrong impression. You can understand how people might jump to the wrong impression. Before you make a statement, all right, you don't know, say, I don't know, explain yourself. When I don't know something, I explain my way the best way I can. If I don't, I ask somebody. I'm basing on my own physical laws that I know. And there's only one universal law, no matter who you are or what you are, there's only one law of the universe. Uh-huh. Penis is penis, and it's penis no matter whether it's in butter, whether you make it in a crack, it's still penis. And a rose is a rose in any other color, still a rose. They can call anything they want. Yeah, I recognize that quotation. Uh, the point that I'm trying to get to is when I say you have been floating around, please assume me to mean your astral body. It's yeah. just an sh- easier and shorter way of saying that. You made it clear earlier in the program that it was your astral body. Now, let me restate my question, and I'll yeah. put it in parentheses this time. You, by which I mean your astral body, have been floating around and going from place to place in the form of electronic waves. Is that correct? Well, we would say electronic waves. It forms in a sort of invisible ball. Sometimes it's visible. Well, now, the thing I'm... Uh, aiming as it, I hope you can clarify a point about which there is considerable doubt in the physical world, which is uh, the nature of propagation of light and other ways, as to whether it is actually a wavefront propagation or whether it's a particle propagation. No one has ever been quite sure, but I suspect a man who has been intimately familiar with it might be able to tell. Well... If it can't be a particle because we're material, what goes out there is not material. So it must be a con, a, 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 let's say, a, 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 just slipped off my mind, a composition of waves. Uh-huh. Or electronic field spinning in a circle like, 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 like uh, we would say, a, a galaxy or something of a smaller type. In other words, your feeling is that the thing is entirely a wave phenomenon. There's no particle It's like a galaxy spinning around. It's the same thing. Today, if you've gone down sometime in the street, all of a sudden you see a small whirlwind spinning around. Well, I haven't done that, no. No, and it happens to everybody. Even when we're kids on a farm or something, all of a sudden you see maybe a, a foot and a half, a two-foot whirlwind spinning around and stopping. Well, I'll take you where I've never seen it. Well, but I'll take but then you we have for. big whirlwinds which cause destruction and things like that. Yes. Well, let's say that, that little whirlwind is whirling, but the, our astral projection or something may be a little simple thing that's spinning around just like the little whirlwind. And with that, it carries vibrations and everything what it picks up. Uh-huh. Just like an ionized sphere. See, we have an ionized sphere around the Earth. Right? You know, uh-huh. it's a scientific fact, known by science, measured. We call ionized sphere. Yes. And, and the, the repulsive action are against the Earth, and, and the others are <coughs> against the moon. So anything goes past the ionized sphere can't come down. That's right. Well, you feel then that the two... Uh, in fact, let me get a basic statement on yeah. the two... Specifics. That will be the astral body of the Earth, let's say. Okay, well, do you Here's feel then... Example, that, as I understand that the two objects which the Russians have put up into orbits are beyond the ionosphere, is that... Yeah. Uh, so they are never going to be able to come down again. The only way they can come down is if they explode. Even if they explode, then they can come down. But they're exploding that thing there. Mm-hmm. And opening up the ionized sphere mm-hmm. will cause the negative forces from the outside to contact with our positive forces here, and there'll be a sudden flash, and we won't have to worry about China anymore. 
Would you say that was the phenomenon that occurred when the great meteorite crashed into Siberia in 1870 and something? Well, I don't know. There was a meteorite that crashed into Siberia. As I told you, most of these, uh, what we call, uh, uh, what do you call these things here, please? The I don't know. meteorites? Meteorites, the two, either they're thrown off from the moon, because mm -hmm. the only way to reach us over here, they have to shoot a, a target from the moon, just like we shoot here towards the moon. Mm -hmm. Thrown off from the moon, pieces that were drawn and fall through because of speed, or they've been thrown up in the air by our volcanoes, are past the ionosphere, and then to a certain height, they were repulsed back to us by the moon and fell down back to us. Well, now, in these what they call small meteorites. They're really part of our own earth. Mm -hmm. They hit us. They go so high to the atmosphere that they hit near the gravitation of the moon. Uh -huh. The moon is repulsive to the vibration of the earth. They carry the same frequency of the earth, and they're thrown back at a great speed of past the iron ice, still back to our earth. That may take months and years of time before that's to happen, or they hit the proper frequency. Mm -hmm. Well, now, some, <coughs> some time ago, you mentioned when your astral body visited the moon. Yeah. You... Well, in other words, but 
aside from those who were already there, however they got there, yeah. you feel that there, no one who is now on Earth is ever going to get to the moon. Well, I don't know. I won't tell you something I don't know. But the thing that was concerning Unless you me... ask me what I think, that's a different story. No. Knowing and thinking, I can have my opinion, my viewpoints, and still I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's such that, a thing that, uh, as possible, yes. Still you'll have to know. The thing that I was concerned with is if there were people on the moon who were not uh, humans and we got there, I was concerned over the certain amount of cultural conflict that might take place. But you apparently don't feel this would uh, this would be any trouble, seeing as they are probably, as you say, Chinese or uh, somebody originally from the Earth. We'll, we'll get along together, in other words. The simple, I talked this so-called space language, and I told in the past meeting I was that when I come back to ask for protection, I start talking a strange language. Mm -hmm. I'm just as conscious of your eyes. And once in a while, I start babbling this thing off. And I'm surprised that sometimes... Continue, please. Sometimes I'm in a barber shop, and I have a kid there. And the mother, he cries, and he don't want to get a haircut. I relax a little bit, and I start talking a space language to him. The kid listens to me. I wonder if you'd be kind enough to do it. And he answers me. And I, it keeps quiet, I give him the haircut. Now, do, do, what, do, what do they understand about this language? Do you, would you mind talking a little space talk this morning? A brief message for our listeners. Well, you always won't understand what it is. I, I understand. I stand the record, John. Did you find that record? I, I made a find... record. I am not allowed to play any records that are not recorded by a commercial... No, I sent this personally to you I, I, to show you that yeah. I was a space record. Not yeah. on the radio. I didn't want you to play it on radio. I am not permitted to play any record because I don't have a turntable at home. And the only records I'm permitted to play here are records that have been... Uh, uh, made by commercial outfits. Well, how about these records, these machines you're putting the money in? They're union-made, ain't they? I, we're not talking about union at the moment. I'm not permitted to play those records. Not even your own home? I don't have a home w with a turntable in it. I have a home, but I don't have a turntable. Well, then you got somebody else's home that you can play the record. Uh, it is not my good fortune to be able to associate with my neighbors. They sort of frown at me because they've listened to the show. Can a friend of yours mail it to him? Can he play it and let you hear on the phone? You're not violating the law. This is possible. I certainly would appreciate it very much if, uh, Charles, if you'd arrange that for me sometime. We'll uh, try I'll to let you hear on the phone, which makes it legal. I don't know. Did you send me one recently? The last time before I came before, oh, I mailed one. you a record. No, that one is in Continuity Acceptance Department, and evidently the head of Continuity Acceptance was so enthused that he took it home and put it into his own collection, and he feels it's a priceless record, and he hasn't been kind enough to return it to me. In the meantime, would you be kind enough to do a little space talk for us?
So there may be a very definite connection here, because this sounds, this language is very close to, oh, you know, Sioux, Navajo, Arapaho, and all these things. Well, I, I w would be interested, uh, unfortunately, we didn't tape that this morning, but if we had taped it, I would have liked to have played it back at a slower speed, and I think possibly would, we'd, we'd be in a position to translate it. You could play it back to a fast Indian, it might work. Yes, that's quite true. We also had Mark Probert on the program one morning. And he spoke in the language of yuh, that's spelt Y-U. That's a language that was spoken some 500,000 years ago by Yoshita. Oh, I, uh, no, I'm not familiar with him. I had a very brief course in history in school, John. Jones or anybody else. That's why I was taught this code. 
so you could recognize so, so them. So if a certain medium comes in and says, well, I'm talking about George Washington. That is what they call a medium code. And George Washington, too, this particular party, can't give me Yamahuta Khadiyah, let's say the answer is that. That means he's not George Washington. He's a false spirit, and we're getting false representation. In other words, to me, you have to get the right spirit of the right thing, what they call a master medium. You I mean, can create means I can make them through my process of study. You mean that there is impersonation in there the spirit world? There is impersonation in the, in the fourth dimension, what they call a fourth dimension, which the body of person make believe that that particular person is there. In other words, these are what they call condemned spirits or lost souls. You mean someone like Benedict Arnold might pretend he was George Washington? Well, oh, come in, sir. That's why a lot of these mediums themselves, they're not responsible. Poor uh -huh. people a wrong spirit will come to them. But when I'm with them, that's why when I'm with Phoebe here, these wrong things can't come true. In fact, I had a couple come down to see me the day after while I'm sleeping. I went to the fourth dimension, pleaded with me uh -huh. to leave them alone. Yeah. They're not the bottom. They promise to behave themselves. Now, there's such a thing you can't go around telling people, like, well, I'll bring them over here and say, look, they told me this and that. I've gone through experiences I've been a child. Uh -huh. To me, it's natural to go through these things. I don't have to study. I don't have to read. Yes. I've got people, people are the so-called demented. I've experimented the mental institution where they were disturbing these people, God well, because it was spiritual disturbed. They, they were, were not crazy. If people were really crazy, they're crazy. Because what you do, those who are spiritual disturbed, when one of us goes near them, they either get, get away from you, try to run away from you for no good reason, uh -huh. or they have to, they, they, if they get weak, they go into a faint and the, these so-called disturbances get out of them. Uh -huh. In other words, you cast out as uh, a great man did what cast out of the person. That's well, when you're a master, you're a natural psychic. You can and develop other towns and people. I can share three cases where we had a woman over here. She was under hypnotiz hypnotized. And then after that, she began to visualize what a person had in a box out in, the, in Greenland. Mm. And she started to hypnotism. In other words, she had the talent in there, but it was a hypnotist that developed it. Then you get another case, Edgar Casey. Yes. It was only after he was hypnotized that he developed his talents. Uh -huh. And then we have a great religious leader of a big organization today. It was only after true hypnotism that she became uh, awakened to the true feeling that she has, she could heal people. But it was hypnotism that started. But it could have hypnotized a thousand times if the talent was not born there in them by an act of divinity that were meant to be that it wouldn't have done nothing well do you feel uh, then seeing as a, a large number of people who are now confined in institutions are apparently not uh, insane in the proper sense of the word but they are spiritually upset or deluded do you feel that the psychiatrists and other authorities who are in charge of our institutions are following a wrong course in taking care of them? Well, I'll tell you. Psychiatrists are right to a certain extent. The 60% of these people in a mental institution have nothing wrong with them, but they are mentally impressed. In other words, uh -huh. it's such a thing as you can be fear will cause hypnotizing to a person. Yeah. An animal can look at a person with a gun and that person will get so scared he can't shoot him. Uh -huh. That animal has created feelings.